We are in our, our series called Hard Questions. We're in week three. Um, for those joining us on the podcast, welcome. Um, here's the disclaimer, okay? Week three, if you've been um, coming to church long enough, if there's a four-week series on a topical, usually week three is the, um, the hard one, okay? I'm just letting you know. Okay, it's a preacher's secret. I'm just sharing like magician's secrets right now. Because if you go hard from the beginning, then it just fizzles out. But you can't leave the hardest one at the end because it leaves a funny taste. So always week three is the hard one, okay? Anyway, tonight we're going to be talking about the question, does God hate homosexuals? If you're new to our church, welcome. <laughs> um, one of the biggest news stories this year was when Israel Folau, an Australian rugby union player, posted this on his Instagram. Now, Israel Folau was, uh, is or was the top rugby union player, uh, the most profiled rugby union player, and he posted this on his Instagram, and it says, warning, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, idolaters, hell awaits you, repent only, Jesus saves. Now, this quote uh, comes from the Bible. It comes from 1 Corinthians uh, 16. We're going to go there. But the media attention... And the fallout from this post, uh, Israel Folau had his rugby union contract torn up, which was worth about $5 million. He lost millions of dollars in sponsorship, right? And he got absolutely ambushed in the media. And the question is, why, why did such a post create such an issue? And it's because it's around this very sensitive subject of God and homosexuality. So the question tonight we're going to look at is, does God hate homosexuals? Now, some people have complained, I've heard, on the grapevine, never to my face, a bunch of wusses, that they don't like the questions. They don't like the, the wording of the questions. Like, you know, they could be worded better. But I'm telling you now, every single question is purposeful. Okay? Okay, there's always, you know, some, some madness behind, you know, all of it. I want to define the three key words in this question. Does God hate homosexuals? Okay? So let's define the three key words. Okay? Number one, God. Who are we talking about? We're not asking the question, does the church hate homosexuals? We're not asking the question, do Christians hate homosexuals? We're not asking, does the chapel hate homosexuals? We're asking the question, does God hate homosexuals? Now, Let's pause for a moment and reflect on who God is. God is the creator of the universe. God is the creator of, of space, the atmosphere, the environment. God is the beginning and the end. When the physical world, uh, before it was created, God was. And when the world ends, God will be. God is the one that knows you and I to a T. I found this verse in Job 38 where, where God is talking with Job. And he says this, he says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across? I love this. God's like, dude, 
So when I was creating the universe, what were you doing? Where were you? It's like it's like when a child comes up to you, you know, and starts complaining about the things in your family, and you're like, uh, "I wiped your butt, man! Don't come and tell me how to live my life." Don't get confused, okay? We're talking about God. We're not talking about His creation. We're not talking about one of His creations. We're talking about God's opinion tonight. All right. Second word: homosexual. Do we even know what the word homosexual means? Okay. The definition, okay, a person who is, uh, is the romantic attraction, sexual attraction, or sexual behavior between members of the same sex gender. Now, I'm going to admit that my, my definition of homosexual was actually narrower than this. Okay. My uneducated um, definition of homosexual was someone who had sex with someone of the same gender. But actually, homosexuality is actually broader than that. It actually um, combines attraction. It actually combines desire as well as action and behavior. Okay? So that's the definition of homosexual. Now, the word in the middle, hate. The definition of hate is to dislike intensely or passionately, feel extreme aversion for or extreme hostility toward. Now, under that definition, what's the opposite of hate? It's love. It's to like intensely or passionately, feel extreme happiness, right, toward, okay? Now, see, each of these words is going to become very important, okay? The, the word hate is opposite to the word love, uh, but they're very strong words. Now, we throw them around a lot, right? I love this, I hate this, you know, I love the weather, I hate the weather. You know, we, we, we throw them around so simply, but actually, if you look at the depth of what the words actually mean, they are two of the most powerful words in all of our dictionary. And they're so interconnected with each other. Right? They have such deep meanings, right? Now, I want to show you the, 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 the relationship between these two words. I love my children. I have four children. I love them. Okay? I love, someone once asked me, do you have a favorite? And I said, yes, of course I do. It's my first, Christopher, because he's with us today. <laughs> Don't tell your brothers this is that. Okay. You know, anyone that knows me, I am, I am, I am madly in love with my children, each of them. Right? Now, uh, and, and it would be very honest to say that I love them. Now, I love you. I love you as the church. But really, in comparison to my own children, eh, you know, chalk and cheese. You know, it's a different type of love, right? Now, if uh, uh, you guys would know this, but one of my greatest fears, and it's a very real fear, so please don't like joke about this, like, you know, and, and or pull some kind of prank or stunt on this because I will hurt you. Okay, is that uh, is the fear of losing one of my kids, right? So I like, especially when I go overseas, it's it's like it's seriously not a holiday because I'm literally like just eyes on my kids the whole time. It's really really stressful, right? Now imagine, imagine, right? One day this was meant. To, this is going to happen, right? Imagine like one day a stranger came into my house and 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 and. 
started to move towards one of my kids in the process of wanting to abduct them or to take them away, right? Now, I love my kids, right? But in this moment, hate comes out towards that person. And the level of hatred to that person or to that whole process is actually equal to the amount that I love my kids. You can see the, 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 the relationship, right? You only really hate something if you love something else. You know, like the, like, you know, the, the innocent question of, well, what's your favorite ice cream, okay? Like, if you're very passionate about it, you would say that, oh, no, I hate strawberry ice cream. But you only hate strawberry ice cream as much as you love chocolate. Really, it's only at that level, okay? Now, this is important because we need to understand why the question would be, why does God hate, or does God hate homosexuality? Uh, sorry, d- does God hate homosexuals, okay? Now, we're going to pause there because there's two questions, okay? There's two questions that, um, that we're going to address, and they're very different questions because they have different answers, okay? I'm going to give you the short version right now. Does God hate homosexuals, right? Does God hate homosexuals? And the answer to that is no, okay? The answer to that is no, okay? I'm going to expand on this. Does, second question, does God hate homosexuality? And the answer is yes. Okay? Rest of the sermon, we'll unpack those. Why does God hate homosexuality? Ultimately, it's because he loves his creation. God hates homosexuality in the same way that he loves his creation. When God created the world, he created it perfectly. Why? Because he's God. A perfect God can only create perfect things. When he created human beings, Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us, Genesis 1, we're going to go through scripture, okay? Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This was what God created. That was his original creation. Okay? Now, Genesis chapter 2, Okay, Genesis chapter 2 then goes on and specifically looks at the creation of man. And we're going to look at verse 24 and 25. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife. Okay, and that term is really important because it's not united with his woman. It's united with his wife, which talks about covenant, talks about marriage. Okay, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Mankind, human beings are the only thing in creation that were created in the image of God. Now, that's a really big call. You know, nothing else in this world holds the the, the footprint of God, holds the image of God except for humans. That's how special we were. That's how special man and woman were. And God created them to be one and to rule the earth and to fulfill. To, to be fruitful and fill it. We're talking about procreation. We're talking about having babies. 
This is God's original purpose for man. But when sin entered in Genesis 3, when sin entered, all things became broken, including sexuality. Homosexuality was not what God had originally intended. And because God loves what he created, he hates anything that goes against that, which is his sin, which is sin. Now, once again, feel free to disagree with me via email. I'll give you Pastor May's email. But I think the Bible speaks very plainly about homosexuality. And I think the Bible says that the, that, that the act, uh, the, 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 that homosexuality is sinful. Okay, let's go through some passages. Genesis 19. Uh, you would have heard of a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? It's the place of sin. Okay. Now, two angels arrive at a house owned by Abraham's brother Lot. Okay, this is just the backstory. Suddenly, all the men in, in the town, the city of Sodom, turn up, and they say this in Genesis 19, 5 to 7. They call to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. This is the first mention. This is the first mention of homosexuality and what it is tied into and what Lot says it is, he says it's wicked. Not only does Lot say that it's wicked in Jude in the New Testament, okay, Jude 7 comments on this. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They served as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Sexual immorality, not being sexually moral. This is what the Bible defines homosexuality to be. Okay? Now, let's keep moving. Leviticus, Leviticus 18 and 20. These are the laws that were given to the priests to exercise Okay, for the people. Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Okay, and the punishment for this, Leviticus 20.13, if a man lies with a man as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. It's pretty specific stuff. Okay. Now, a lot of people go, well, you know, that's the Old Testament. You know, they don't really talk about homosexuality in the New Testament. And I'm like, no, it does. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Uh, and the passage is 18 to 32, but we're just going to read a few bits of it. Uh, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, we're still talking about wickedness now. Okay. Verse 26, 27, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, when Paul starts talking about this, he's going to start using a different uh, framework. And what he's going to say is natural relations versus unnatural relations. And this is similar to when we say that the way that God originally created sex to be, the way that God originally created man and, and woman to be, that was the natural way. But because of sin, people started to pursue unnatural, unnatural relations. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, right? This is the, this is the verse that, that Israel Folau, um used. And it says this, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be, a, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't shoot arrows at me. I didn't write the Bible, okay? This, these are direct quotes from Scripture, okay? I think it is fair to say that the Bible speaks clearly on this matter. Now, two things to note. When people say that the Bible doesn't speak specifically about homosexuality, that's wrong. I think it speaks clearly. And secondly, when people say that, that it's only specific in the Old Testament, that's wrong too, because clearly in the New Testament it is, it is addressed. Now, that was the intro. Okay? There are three really important things that we need to understand when we talk about homosexuality and God. Okay? And I think if you can just understand these three concepts, I think we'll have a good grasp of, of God's heart on this and how we need to go about it. Number one is this, black and white, homosexuality is a sin. And because it's a sin, it's serious. To state that sin can be seen lightly or, an, or just you know, passing by, that is an offense to God. The definition of sin is that it misses the mark, like, a, like, a, like an archer right, who's shooting an arrow at the target, when the, when the arrow misses the target, that's what sin is, right? So we were created, we were created God's purposes, but because of sin, we keep missing the mark. We keep missing the purpose of what our lives are. Homosexuality, desire, attraction, and behavior miss the mark of God because it was not what God originally intended, now, remember, we're not talking about another human being. We're talking about creator God. He created us. We don't get to define. Create, creation doesn't get to define what we do as creation. No, that gets defined by who made you. And every time we miss that, we miss the mark, and we call that sin. And because it's sin, it's serious. Like, we're not just committing sin against each other. We're not committing offense against each other. We're committing offense, create a God. The serious nature of sin is seen in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You offend God. You offend the Creator. You choose to live without Him. You choose to rebel against Him. You choose to reject Him and His laws. God will put you outside. And, and some of us go, well, that's so unfair. Uh, no, it's completely fair from God's perspective because he made us. Please do not underplay the serious nature of sin, which homosexuality is. It is a sin and therefore is a great offense to God. The second thing we need to learn Homosexuality is a sin, but it's not unique. Now, 
What do I mean about this? What was interesting was when Israel Flower posted his Instagram post based on one Corin- the 1 Corinthians passage, right? No one else got upset about anything else except for the homosexual part. No beer company suddenly went, oh, how dare he? Oh, drunkards will, will go to hell. How dare he do that? How dare- I'm going to pull my sponsorship out. You know? You didn't see the alcohol companies getting all up in arms. It was only around the word homosexual. But that shows that shows something that is so misplaced in our society. And it's that we, and we do this too, we give sin levels. And we have this acceptable sin and we have this unacceptable sin. Right? Now, you might not think this, but I promise you, most of us have this. Right? We think to ourselves, yeah. There's bad sin, murderers, rapists, you know, and then we'll throw homosexuals in there. Yeah, how dare you, you know? And then we've got lies, Mm, you know, stealing, you know, not swiping that one extra product at the self-service checkout at Woolworths. Hey, you're all guilty. I know, it's okay. You know, like... uh, we're like, mm, that's okay. What about like running the red light? Mm, just, mm. it was orange. In our minds, we have created a divide between good sin and bad sin. Now, the problem is this. When we do this, what we've done and what society's done as well is that we have singled out homosexuality out of all the sins. We've singled it out and we've either elevated in terms of its importance or we've devalued it in terms of its, its, its impact. But you know, like Pastor James Fong, when he preached, and I listened to his sermon, and, oh, hilarious, right? I told you, he was, he's such a good preacher. You know what he says? He says, sin is sin. A little bit of poo, a lot of poo in the water, you ain't going to drink that, right? That's sin. That's sin. Whether you lie, whether you murder someone, in the eyes of God, that's still sin. And before a perfect God, it doesn't matter how close you get to perfection, if you're not there, you don't get there. All unacceptable to God. 1 Timothy 1, 9 to 10. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, now check the list, for those that kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for the practicing, uh, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, liars, and perjurers, and for for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Once again, Paul gives a list of sins. But what we need to understand is, even in that list, which homosexuality is a part of, is not a unique sin. It's not higher or lower than any of the other sins in that space. It's not a unique sin. And what we really need to understand is that it is the same. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. But because we, right, and the world's done it too, but it's coming to us too. We do this, okay? We have divided it into like okay sins and then bad sins. Now, let me give you the example. If someone comes in here, right, someone comes to church, and, and they, they come up to you, right, in, in confidence, they say, you know what, 
man, every time I see this person, man, this, this anger, this anger comes up. You just want to like punch him, you know? What would we say? Okay, well, they're your husband. That was your choice, you know, like, you know, it's, <laughs> okay. No, no, seriously, if someone comes in with the problem of hatred and anger, right, and they're sharing this with you, and they're like, every time I see that person, I just want to punch him, I just want to kill him, I just want to hate on him, right? What would you say to them, right? What do we do? We, we, come, we come in. Okay, hey, man. And we try to understand that person. We try to understand, hey, why do you hate them? Like, did they do something to you? Is there, is there some kind of trauma that you went through? Right? We sit down and we listen to their story. We go, man, you know, and then what do we do? We pray for them. We go, hey, you know, like maybe I can provide a bit of a buffer. Do you guys need to reconcile? Right? And, and we try to administer grace and love to this person. We try to minister to them. Right? Hopefully. Or oh, that's hopefully what we do at our church. Right? Now, say the same person comes in and goes, hey, every time I see that person, just feel attracted to them. Same gender. Every time, you know, I just see them, I'm just like, they look really, really desirable. Our natural response, be completely honest, I'm being honest. Our natural response is to not step in, but we actually step out. And for some of us, we're like, okay, we'll enjoy the burning bush of hell. Right? Because we don't know how to deal with this. See, it's the same sin. Sin, sin. Anger is sin. Hatred is sin. But our response to it is it's different. It's different. See, what we need to understand is that, yes, homosexuality is a sin, but, but it's, it's not a unique sin. It's a sin like every other sin. And our response to it needs to be the same. All right, this is something, this is, like, this is like heavy stuff tonight, right? This is a lot of like personal wrestling stuff that we need to do. Like I've had some good time to do it as well. But it's because we, we, we separate these categories of sin. Now, here's number three, okay? So number one, what was number one? Homosexuality is a sin, and because it's a sin, it's serious. Number two, homosexuality is a sin, but it's not unique. Number three, homosexuality is a sin, but Jesus has overcome all sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, not 9 and 10, but the next verse, 11. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In the same way Jesus died for our idolatry, in the same way Jesus died for our adultery, in the same way Jesus died for our hatred and our anger and our indifference and our lying, in the same way Jesus died for our homosexuality. See, if you believe that, that, that homosexuality is a sin, and if you believe that, that all sin is the same, then when you see Jesus on the cross, he died for all sin. All sin. Not just the little acceptable ones, but for all sin. There is not a single sin. There is not a single action, a single unnatural desire, a single thought that Jesus' blood on the cross did not cover. Past, 
present and future. And anything that says otherwise, if anyone says that, no, 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 that's too much, no, 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 that's beyond the saving grace of Jesus, then what you're saying is when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't enough. That's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. He died for all sin, past, present, and future. It had nothing to do with our righteousness. It had nothing to do with how hard we're trying. It had nothing to do with, you know, the the struggles that we have with our sin. No, Jesus died for all sin. You know, it's interesting. How, How is it that some of us can believe that murderers can be redeemed and yet homosexuals can't? Interesting, hey? See, the, the problem is we keep separating, we keep, you know, separating this sin into like, you know, in Bunnings there's this term, you know, good, better, best. You go to Bunnings, there's always three types of the same product, good, better, best. You've got the really cheap one, you've got the medium one, and you've got the premium one. They're all the same. Just telling you. Good, better, best. But the problem is we've done that with sin. Good, better, best. It's okay, sin. Oh, that's a little bit bad. Oh, that's really, really bad. But that's from our perspective. From God's perspective, from up there, it's all the same. A little bit of poo, a lot of poo, you ain't going to touch it. You can't pick and choose what sins Jesus died for on the cross. He died for all. Every single, every single sin, including the sin of homosexuality. So let me go back to the original question. Does God hate homosexuals? Homosexuals. Not homosexuality, homosexuals, the people. Does God hate homosexuals? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, including homosexuality, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does God hate homosexuals? Absolutely not. He hates the sin. He hates the sin but he loves the sinner. Let me conclude. Not an easy sermon, eh? There's two types of people, there's two groups of people that I want to address as we finish up. As I said, if you have questions about this, your life groups, you'll be talking about this this week, feel free, just bring your questions, just go hard, all the leaders are ready to go. Okay, we've trained them. They're ready to take on any question that, that you can bring up. They're ready. Okay? You know, if, if you're not in life, you need to talk about this, come and talk to me. Okay? There's two groups of people that I'd like to address and then I'll pray. Firstly, are the homosexuals. Now, for those that are homosexuals, whether it be desire Attraction, behavior, or even those who are struggling with same-sex attraction, right? So under the broad, okay, under the broad um, topic of 
uh, definition of, of homosexuals, okay? Anyone that has a, a, any inkling of same-sex attraction would be under that definition, okay? So I want to speak to you. Okay, this must be past, present, okay? Firstly, please know. Please know that God loves you. Please know that God loves you. Does God hate homosexuals? Absolutely not. He loves you. But it is the church. It is the church, the, the leaders of the church, the people of the church that have not done enough to represent God's heart to you. The church and its people are the ones that were judgmental and closed-minded, that gave you no space to share your struggles. It's funny, right? Anyone who's struggling with an addiction, you know, come and be prayed for. Anyone who's struggling with, you know, un, unhealthy, unnatural thoughts, come and be prayed for. And then, but, but, but for some reason, it never includes homosexuality. That's not God. That's the church. That's the people in the church. If that's you, please be bold enough and courageous enough to speak up so that we can support you and love you and pray for you, just like every other broken person in this room. Someone walks in addicted to drugs, everyone jumps on them to pray for them and to support them. And yet when we come to this struggle of homosexuality, we don't do that. That's, that's not the miss of God. That's the miss of the church. As a pastor of one local church, if you have been hurt by the church, if you've been hurt by people in the church, if you've been hurt by leaders in the church or this church, then as the leader, I, I apologize. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. This is the, the failure of man, not the failure of God. God loves you. God does not hate you. It's really the opposite. He really, really loves you. So if you're in that boat, um, please, please share so that we can pray and we can support you. Uh, secondly, I want to address the church and the church meaning every single one of us here. Um, church, it's time for us to change. It's time for us to to change our attitudes and thoughts towards our brothers and sisters who are struggling with homosexuality. Instead of stigmatizing them, putting them on a pedestal as if they are some kind of freak show, we need to be the first to say, hey, I've got struggles too. Yeah, your struggles and my struggles might look different, but I'm sinful as well. And my sin is not any greater or, or worse than yours. Families, brothers, sisters, parents, life groups, ministries, be ready to embrace, not to judge. 
If you don't know what to do, which is, if we're honest, if we're honest, that's half the problem. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. Just do what you know. Just uh, the suggestion that I had was take out the word homosexual and put in any other sin. How would you address that person? A raging alcoholic turns up to church. How would you address them? You'd sit down with them. You'd find out more about them. And then you would pray over the things that they're struggling with. And then you would walk with them. You would journey with them. Someone comes in with with a broken marriage. What would you do? Same thing. You would pray for them. You would support both sides of the party. You would walk with them. If they needed professional help, you would help them. You would feed them. You would care for them. It is the same. Someone coming in and struggling with homosexuality, walk with them. Pray for them. Talk with them. Listen to them. Don't stand back as if they're diseased. We're all diseased. That's how jacked up that notion is. So I don't want to touch you because, you know, you're dirty. You got like crap on your hand. I don't want to touch you because you're dirty. It's like, mm. No, we're all in the same boat. Church, we need to change. We need to change. We need to be serious. We need to be serious about seeking and saving the lost and if because that's God's plan. And if we're serious about that, then, then we need to start with a change of heart, change of attitude, and some humility. Every single person in this room, nothing. Let me remind you, nothing. It doesn't matter what sin it is. Trust me. You know, we can go through the list of sins and, and tick, 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 tick. Oh, overachiever, you know. But nothing. Not your past, not your present, not your future, not your sexual orientation, not the strength of your marriage, you know, not, not how much money you have or don't have. Not how good or bad you are. Nothing can separate the love of God that is in our Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if we truly believe that the scripture is the word of God, then we need to believe these things about homosexuality. Homosexuality is a sin. And because it's a sin, it's serious stuff to God. The two, homosexuality is not a unique sin. It's like every other sin. It's like every other struggle. And thirdly, homosexuality is a sin, but Jesus has redeemed every single sin and sinner. He said, please, if you need to talk more, come and talk to me. May's downstairs, go and talk to her. Your life groups, please have a chat. But church, we need to change. We need to be the agents of change. We can't wait for the society to change. We need to show the light and the salt starting here and now. Amen? Let's pray.